Well, Peace Church, family, and friends, today is the day that the Lord has made. So we get to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to say hello to those who are joining us downstairs in our venue, to those who are gathered in our gym, and of course, those who are joining us online and in spirit. To everyone, I say, good morning. Good morning. Go ahead and tell the person next to you, good morning. Good morning. No, just the one neighbor, not all of them. So we are in the midst of a sermon series that is a walkthrough of the final trial of Jesus Christ, which results in his triumph on Easter Sunday. We're going to read a selection of passages today, and so I encourage you to open your Bibles to head to Matthew chapter 26 right now. We're going to read a selection. Even though it's a selection of passages, it's really going to zero in on the story of two different disciples. Two different disciples who commit a very similar sin, but they respond in such different ways. They betray Jesus. They betray him and they fall short of following him perfectly. They betray Jesus and they leave him abandoned. So today we're going to look at Jesus abandoned. Again, head to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to jump around a little bit, but they show us two different ways to not just abandon and betray Jesus, but to respond to sin. And anyone who follows Jesus Christ, anyone who claims to be a Christian, at some point will fall short and prove themselves to be an imperfect Christian. Thank you, or is it just me? Just me and Mindy, apparently. We all will at some point. But the question is, for those who follow Jesus, when we fall short, how will we respond so today we're going to look at, in contrast, two of, two, of the, two of the disciples and their response to their betrayal of Jesus. We're going to look at Judas Iscariot and compare him to Simon Peter. So I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. I will have it up on the screen if you need to, but here's where we'll start. Matthew chapter 26, we'll start at verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Then one of the twelve whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he saw an opportunity to betray him, to betray Jesus. So in this passage, we see Judas determined to betray Jesus. But the next passage we're going to read, jump down to verse 30, we're going to see Peter declare that he'll never betray Jesus. Let's jump to verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they, meaning the disciples, they, after they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples, and all the disciples, and all the disciples said the same. All right, jump down to verse 69. We'll read verse 69 through chapter 27, verse 8. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. This is after Jesus is arrested and been taken away. Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, 
You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I don't know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath, saying, I don't know the man. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and they said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and they led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, it's not lawful to put them, put the pieces of silver, into the treasury since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. This is the word of God, everyone. Let's pray, and then I hope we can find hope in our own failures. So let's pray. Lord God in heaven, as we look at the difference between these two broken men who abandoned Christ, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give us the eyes to see the truth, the ears to hear it, the heart to receive it, that we would be transformed by your love and by your truth for your glory. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. And everyone said, amen, amen. So what we're going to do today with our, our message, we're actually going to break it into two, two different parts. Firstly, we're going to look at realizing our failure as we see our own sin in the contrast of Judas and Peter. And then we're going to talk about life after failure. Once we've realized our sin, what do we do? Well, we're, going to look, we're going to look and see our salvation in the contrast of Judas and Peter. All right, so first, let's start with realizing our failure, seeing our own sin. First question I would ask you is this, is who are you lying to? Now, nobody is perfect. I think we can all agree to that. But do you know where your imperfections are? See, I think if you're married to somebody, you know exactly what their imperfections are. But do you know your own? You see, in our passage, there is a difference between Judas and Peter. Look at... Look at these verses. First one here, verse 35. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. See, what you have to understand is that this is, this is after Judas already agrees to betray Jesus. Judas is with this group. He's already planning to betray Jesus. And so Peter comes and he's like, I'm not falling away. I'm going to go to the death for you. And they all, including Judas, said the same. So here's what I want you to know. See, Judas lied to Jesus, but Peter lies to himself. See, Judas flat out lied. He flat out lied to Jesus. He knew he was going to betray him. He probably had the 30 pieces of silver in his pocket. 
He knew he wasn't going to follow Jesus when things got tough. But Peter, see, I think Peter just got ahead of himself. He says, not me, Lord. I'm not falling away. Mm -mm." But Jesus knew. Jesus knew he would. I mean, the very verse before this, Jesus says this. Truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you, Peter, you will deny me three times. So here's the question. Do you know that you will not stand up for Jesus? Like Judas, who openly came with the crowds, or do you think that you're the super disciple like Peter, only to prove otherwise? Who are we lying to? See, I think this next line is so fascinating. See, when, when people call out Peter for following Jesus and he keeps denying it, look at this third accusation. This is, this is interesting. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for your accent betrays you. You speak with the same Galilean accent, just like Jesus. You're with them. You're one of them. Your accent, the way you talk, your words, your very own words betray you. See, church, we need to know that we betray with lies, but our lies ending up betraying us. See, we try to hide behind our lies, but our lies are the very things that will will expose us in the end. There will be a time when everything in the dark comes to light. Everything that's in the dark will come to light, and we will have to face a fire that reveals who we truly are. See, Christians, so often we do what Peter does. We act like the super strong Christian in our Bible studies and at church, and we walk around with Christians having our back, and so we act so strong in the faith. But then the crowds come. And suddenly our big talk on Sunday gets real small on Monday morning. It's one thing to be praising Jesus here in the company of Christians, which we should do. But if you only curtail your faith come Monday morning on the job site, here's what I'm going to ask. Who are you lying to? One of these groups is getting the real you. Are you lying to us and you're just, you don't really have this faith? Or are you lying to your coworkers on Monday when you hide your faith? Who are you lying to? Christians in the house, I truly believe that during this season, God is pruning his church. And we may come out smaller, but we'll come out stronger. So let me ask you, does your confession in Jesus Christ, does it stay consistent when you are in front of the crowds? When you're on the job site, when you're in the office, when you're in front of your friends, when you're in front of your coworkers or your neighbors, I mean, who gets the truth of who you truly are and who are you lying to? Because this leads to the next point. Who are you following? Really, who are you truly following? See, Judas and Peter, they both said they followed Jesus, but they both submitted to the crowds. Judas openly comes with the crowds to betray Jesus. Peter later on submits in fear to the crowds and denies Jesus. See, I just said that God is pruning his church right now in America. And I'm telling you right now, we don't get to remain in the tree by being strong. We remain in the tree by being faithful and by being fruitful. It's the limbs that bear fruit that remain in the tree. And we have that, and we are faithful, and we are fruitful by having a truly personal faith in Jesus. A truly personal faith in Jesus. But I'm afraid that for so many Christians, 
the church is just the next crowd that you're following. And it's not reflective of a truly internal, personal faith. See, Peter, Peter gets all hyped up staying strong for Jesus. Jesus says, you all going to fall away? Peter says, not me. I'm not going to fall away. He gets all hyped up, and he gets the disciples all riled up. And look what he says. Look what, look what happens. And Peter said, even if I must die with you, I'm not going to deny you. And all the disciples said the same. In the heat of that moment, everyone was talking real big. So here's my question. Did the disciples say that they were following Jesus? Or did they just prove that they were really just following Peter? And all the disciples said the same. When just a few hours later, they all scatter. The disciples were not following Jesus. They were following each other. Because as soon as one scattered, they all did. So let me clarify a few things. I truly believe, yes, we need to have a corporate faith. And what I mean by that is that we need to have a faith that is connected and strengthened by the church. Yes, we most certainly do. Anytime a Christian tells me they are a Christian, but they don't go to church, my flags go up. My heart goes out because I hope that they weren't like severely burned by the church. But I'll be honest, like Jesus didn't make us Christians to go out there and be alone. Jesus said it is his church. It is his church that he's building. It's the church where the gates of hell will not overcome us. We are meant to be connected. We're meant to have a corporate faith. We're meant to go to church. We're meant to be a part of a church family, 100%. But this does not mean that we're not also supposed to have a personal faith. We are supposed to have a personal faith that is strengthened by the church. But our faith must also always be personal because people will fall away. And if you hang, hang your faith on other people and they fall away, then you will fall away. Your faith needs to be personal inside, through your soul, in your own heart, for the Lord, for the Savior, who loves you like no one else. If you're not following Jesus then you are following an idol, something that should have the place of God in your life. But if you're not truly following Jesus, then you're truly following something else, and that something else is an idol. And here's what we do. We take good things, and we place them where God should be, and now they become bad things, and now they become idols. And I'm telling you now, there's, in, in, in my group, that I look and see, I see people waffling on two, two opposite sides. On the one hand, man, we sure love our American rights. And we're going to put them above our faith in Jesus because we don't want to lose our freedoms. I'm telling you, on the other side of the spectrum, we have a people who are so obsessed with being culturally accepted that they will embrace things that grieve the heart of God just so that they can be loved by the crowds. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus calls out both groups and says he is the only answer. He is the only one. We need to pierce through that divide and come to the foot of the cross. We take good things and we make them idols, which means we turn them into sin, success for our kids, our growing bank account. So what we need to do is we need to take a very clear survey of what is the most important in our life. And if it's not Jesus, then it's an idol and it's sin. What is the most important thing in your life? What is that thing that you'll give the most money to? What is that thing that you will sacrifice the most for? What is that thing that you will turn everything away and embrace? What is that one thing? If it's not Christ, then it is sin. Which leads to the final question. What is your wake-up call? What will be your wake-up call? What will it take for you to see your sin? 
Let's look at what it takes Judas and Peter to realize their sin against Jesus. We'll start with Peter. Jump down to verse 74. Then Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and swore, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. For Peter, it wasn't just the rooster crowing. It was remembering what Jesus said. It was the words of Jesus that struck him to his core. So I'm asking you, what words of Jesus strike you to your core like this? Do you approach the scriptures with an open heart, ready to receive the comfort and the challenge that is there? What words of Jesus will cut you to your heart like this? But let's jump ahead a few verses and see what it takes for Judas to realize his own sin. Let's jump to verse, uh, chapter 27, verse 2. And they bound Jesus and they led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces. Then he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. For Judas, it was seeing Jesus condemned for his own actions. And I'm telling you right now, we see the same thing whenever we look at the cross. We see our Savior condemned for our actions, for our sins. We see, a Jesus, we see our Jesus crucified for what we have done. But I'm here to tell you, it is not enough just to realize our sin and failure and feel all bad about ourselves. It's not enough just to realize our sin and failures. It's what we do in light of it. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross so that you could sit here and feel bad about yourself. He died on the cross so that you could have life, life to the full as you pursue God's calling for your life. He didn't save you so that you could turn around back to your life of sin. He saved you so that you could turn from your life of sin and pursue his calling for your life, a life that seeks to glorify God and do what Christ is calling you to because the way that you were doing things obviously was not working. We are called to something better and something greater and something more. We're not called back to our old life of sin. We're called to turn and repent. Jesus came to the cross so that we could live a life that's pleasing to God, to follow his ways and all of our ways to a life that is full, I say, to the fullest. As we look at the sin of Judas and Peter, my prayer is that God right now is highlighting the sin in your own life so that you can properly respond to it. So after we realize our sin and our failures, what does our life look like once we've realized this? Because there's a stark difference in the response of Judas and Peter. So let's talk about life after failure as we see our salvation. First thing I think is apparent in our passage is this. Repentance leads to life, but regret leads to death. The thing we see in both Judas and Peter is when they become aware of their sin, they both feel remorse. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to look at our sin and, and feel remorse, knowing that we are grieving the heart of God. But I'm telling you, that is the Holy Spirit working in us to bring remorse so that we can see that this is shameful and this hurts the heart of God and grieves the heart of God. But while they both feel remorse, they each do something different. See, Peter repents and it leads to life, but Judas just regrets it and it leads to his death. Now, I'm going to say that again because I think somebody needs to write that down. 
Peter repents and it leads to life, but Judas regrets it and it just leads to his death. And the Bible warns us about this exact thing. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. I'm thinking some of you are living in this new life in Christ, but you're still hanging on to regret. That's not God's plan for you. If you've repented and are living in in this life that Jesus has called you to, there's no room for regret. He is taking care of that. If God remembers your sin no more, then why do you? Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. See, when we become aware of our sin, we can have a godly grief. A godly grief that calls us to repent of our sin, leading to our life and salvation. Or we can have a worldly grief and we just sit and feel bad about ourselves that slowly eats away until it actually kills us. And this brings us to our second point. Don't try to pay back what only grace can cover. Don't try to pay back what only grace can cover. This is the sad story of Judas Iscariot. Judas said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. The chief priests and the elders said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. The chief priests and the elders said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Translation, not our problem. See, Judas regrets what he did and he tries to return the money. But Peter repents and returns to God's calling. You see, Peter Peter turned back to Christ where Judas just turned to the people to absolve his guilt. And when they didn't, because they can't, he was left with nothing but grief and he killed himself. See, when we look to people to absolve our sins, we're asking them to do something that only the grace of God can do. And when they can't do it because they cannot do it, they cannot truly forgive us in a way that leads to our salvation. When they can't do it and we realize that we are left with a grief and a guilt and with nothing with remorse, nothing but remorse, and worldly grief produces death. Listen to me. Sometimes the best way to undo the damage you've done is to simply confess it, to repent of it, to apologize for it, and then to stop doing it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to correct some of the hurt that we've caused in our lives, but we will not find salvation in doing that because we can't pay back what only grace can cover. Only grace, only the grace of God can save us. See, Judas tried to return the money when his priority should have been returning to God. Because if you turn to God, listen to the great promises of the Bible. The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Judas and Peter, man, they give us such a stark contrast to such a similar sin of betraying Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus, when he prophesies to Peter that he will fall away, the Gospel of Luke adds another detail. 
See, we've been reading from Matthew. Luke tells the same story, but he adds one particular detail. I want to to read it for you. Let's jump over to Luke chapter 22. Jesus said, But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, when you have turned again, same language as repenting, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to both prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. See, I think, I just love what we see happening here. See, see Jesus, Jesus looks past Peter's sin. He looks past Peter's betrayal and says, when you've repented, when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus basically says, after you repent of your sins, after you repent of the sins that I'm saying you're going to commit, once you've repented and once you've turned again, get back to the work I've called you to. This leads us to our final point for life after failure. Repenting of sin results in following Christ's calling. Truly repenting of your sin will result in truly following Christ's calling. While Judas remains in regret and it eventually kills him, Peter repents of his sin and Jesus reinstates him to his ministry. And there's a beautiful story to to highlight this. I want to read this story to you. The story I'm going to read to you, this comes after Jesus died on the cross, after Jesus has risen again, but before he goes back to heaven. See, in that time between the resurrection and Jesus' return to heaven, Jesus spends some some time with his disciples. And one of the primary purposes is to send them on their mission. And so listen what happens. I love this story. It comes from John chapter 21. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to Peter, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, Tend to my sheep. And Jesus said to Simon Peter a third time, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, Peter denies Jesus three times. And so Jesus asks him three times if he loves him. See, when this happens, the Bible says that Peter was grieved. Jesus asked him three times if he loved him, reminding Peter of the three times that he denied him. But look at Peter's answer. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. I just want to stop for a second. Like, I, I listen to sermons too, and there's times that I zone out too. So if you've zoned out, I need you to come back. Because what I'm going to say here is that it, I don't want anyone to miss this. What I need everyone to realize in this response is how much more sober and mature of an answer Peter gives compared to the last time we heard Peter confess his love for Jesus. Remember the last time? 
Peter confessed his love for Jesus. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. This time, this time it's, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. See, this time Peter shows us not an arrogant or a brash or a battle cry type statement that ultimately rings hollow. This time he gives an honest and mature and spirit-filled answer. And then Jesus answers, feed my sheep. Just like he says in Luke, strengthen the brothers. I'm going to share with you a lesson that the Lord is teaching Ryan Kimmel right now. The rowdy Peter, the rile everybody up Peter, the rowdy Peter, Jesus says that Peter will fall away. But the repentant Peter, Jesus uses that one for ministry. It's the one with the repentant and the humble and the honest faith that Jesus will use to build his church. So for those of us who have fallen into failure, God is calling you to repent, not so that you can stay in remorse and regret, but so that you can repent and return to the work that God has called you to. So you can repent and return to the life that God is calling you to. Men, lead your families in faithfulness and in righteousness and in love and in strength. Women, be the light for Jesus that shines brighter than anything else in our community. Teenagers and young adults, time to show your peers that Jesus is better than anything else. See, we won't do this perfectly. We've all abandoned and betrayed Jesus at times. I have failed him. We have failed him. But this is why we are so thankful that he is the Savior and we are not. And we say thanks be to God for that. Amen. Would you please bow your head? Would you actually, let's stand together. Let's stand and pray. If the Holy Spirit is pricking your soul and you're feeling that remorse, it's not so you can just stand there and regret it. It's so that you can repent, turn to Jesus, and start living the calling that God has for you. And that's a great and glorious thing. So would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord in heaven, if you did not use broken people, you would have no one to use. But thank you that by the gospel of the perfect man, Jesus, you've taken broken people and you give us hope and you give us a calling and you give us life to the fullest. So I would pray, Lord, that we would realize our sin so that we can realize your goodness to us even in our sin and failure. But I pray, I pray that we would see your hope and your calling. Help us to move beyond remorse and regret and onto a godly repentance so that we can follow your calling into life in Jesus' name. As we feel your love and grace and we share your love and grace. And Lord, we pray this by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Church, let's sing together as we stand before the throne of God.